This week on Low Earth Orbit, we review The Imitation Game. If you speak a word of what I'm about to show you, you will be executed for high treason. It's beautiful. It's the greatest encryption device in history, and the Germans use it for all communications. Everyone thinks Enigma is unbreakable. Let me try, and we'll know for sure. Gentlemen, meet Mr. Turing. We you to work together, then? I'm afraid these men would only slow me down. Popular at school, were you? You have six minutes to complete the task. Is it even possible? No, it takes me eight. Five minutes and 34 seconds. You said to do it in under six. We're going to break an unbreakable Nazi code and win the war. You will never understand the importance of what I am creating here. Oh. You do not have to do this alone. What are you doing? What's going on? The Navy thinks that one of us is a Soviet spy. You've got more secrets than the best of them. What if I don't fancy her in that way? Can't tell anyone, Owen. It's illegal. I'm just a mathematician. Sometimes it is the people who no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. Welcome to Low Earth Orbit. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Scott Stevenson. I'm Steve Marmon. Okay, so this week on uh, Low Earth Orbit, we're reviewing the new movie, The Imitation Game. And this is a World War II movie about the efforts of the British military and military intelligence to break the Nazi Enigma code uh, during World War II and is about Alan Turing's involvement with that. Um, Alan Turing being known for being one of like the early computer scientist uh, pioneers, like basically the inventor of the digital computer. Um, this stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Alan Turing, also stars Keira Knightley, and was directed by Morton Tildum. So we have plenty of like unpronounceable <laughs> names, as is tradition on, on Low Earth Orbit. Um, we actually use it as criteria. Yeah, exactly. yeah. We only go to the movies where it's going to be hard to pronounce at least one person's name. Alfonso Corona. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just got back from the movies a little while ago. Um, so I guess let's just jump straight into impressions. Scott, what do you think? I was pretty blown away. I was really surprised. I thought this was going to be one of those movies where I sort of academically appreciated it for the the historical aspects. Um, But it didn't, from the trailer, I didn't really get a feeling like it was going to be emotional. And um, it was really emotional. And it was, I mean, it was beautifully shot. The acting was fantastic. The score was amazing, I thought. And I really got pulled in in a way I wasn't expecting. Um, It was a great movie. My only complaint is... I didn't love the ending, but um, I mean, that didn't ruin the movie, movie for me. It was it was spectacular, and I would highly recommend everybody see it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoyed the movie as well. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch's per, like, portrayal of Alan Turing wasn't what I was expecting. It was much more like Sherlock Holmesy. Mm, it was yeah. appropriately. It wasn't exactly you know his Sherlock Holmes you know uh, you know persona but it was much closer like it wasn't really how, how i'd imagine alan turing from like other historical accounts i've read of him uh but uh it's still a great performance and i think it really worked well given the kind of story they were trying to tell uh and kind of, at least the, asp- the aspects of his personality that they were trying to play up here in this film and um but yeah the acting was was really great um the i, I love that they, they actually pulled out a lot of like, the elements of that that i love the most about uh, you know that, that's, that that whole story, and I don't want to say too much, to, you know, during this because if you don't see the movie, it could be spoilers. But there's a lot of just like really delightful 
aspects to how they actually broke the Enigma code and then what they had, you know, and then the period afterwards and how they use that that information mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the war efforts mm-hmm. that um, I, I wasn't aware of until roughly recently. I read a book about it and I was kind of just sort of blown away. Um, and then they actually like bring a lot of stuff up in this in the film. And I think it's, it's really, you know, the ramifications of that are, you know, inc- incredibly fascinating. And we can talk about them after the spoiler break. Um, also love the score. Um, Andre Desplat, who is uh, who scored it, is like quickly becoming one of my favorite composers. Um, he did the Moonrise Kingdom mm-hmm. soundtrack as well, cool. which I, I love, and also the Grand Budapest Hotel um, um, score. And I, I love the one for this. I'm probably going to go and download it on iTunes after this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was really great. I mean, there were some rough spots. You know, there's like a team of misfits aspect in the middle of the, of the film that like felt a little cliche and a little bit rushed. Um, I wasn't crazy about that. There were some, there were there were some rough spots in the script where there's a lot of like kind of overly on the nose exposition that happens. Mm. Um, you know, which is I think like it could the, have been a little bit more subtle. The flashback kind of yeah, that was you know again all you know a little on the nose. Um, and the, I, I agree the ending. I, I felt it felt a little bit forced. Um, so yeah. that wasn't great. But we can talk about that more again after yeah. spoilers. But overall, I, I thought it was great. It was beautifully shot, beautifully scored. Again, uh, more emotionally uh, involved, you know, stirring than I expected it would be. Um, and also just kind of fun. There was a lot of humor sprinkled throughout it, which yeah. I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thumbs up. Cool. Yeah, I feel the same way. I thought it was great. Um, you know, I feel like I don't know. We're all like computer people, so I think we all kind of have like a passing understanding of like kind of the story about like Alan Turing and like breaking down the codes and stuff. But uh, but it was cool to see it like you know done in this way. And for something as like pretty academic as code yeah. breaking and cryptography, I think it managed to be like really engaging and not like too dry or like too technical. I don't think they dumbed it down too much. I don't know. I mean, like I, I was impressed by that too. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't yeah. seem like they were trying to like say words that kind of made it sound magical. They just sort of didn't there, yeah, go there. There was like there was like little to no techno babble, yeah. which was yeah. good. I mean, I think there was a tiny bit. Like there was one scene where he's. Turing is kind of like explaining his vision for like the universal machine or whatever, or um, Karen Knightley's character is sort of talking about that. And there's a little bit where they kind of have to sort of explain like, we're inventing the computer, (laughs) like, you know, but it's like, yeah, and they sort of almost imply that that this, this machine will be able to think. Yeah. It's in a way that felt like, would Alan Turing really explain it that way? Like, I think he knew better. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, so there's a little bit of that. And, there's just that kind of stuff. I was like, there's just a tiny, slightly little cheese factor at some of those spots. And like the flashback stuff has got a little bit of that mm-hmm. too. And so it's like, so some of that detracted from it a bit. And there's this like little side plot that I think is a bit spoilerish that I think should have just been like nixed from the whole movie. Um, yeah. But, and the, and the, the flashbacks with the younger actor, who was, he was not of the caliber of Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I mean, really? it's, it's very hard. I actually, I really strongly disagree with that. I was, I was blown away by, I, it, it struck me how much he had picked up Benedict Cumberbatch's rendition of touring. The, I mean, the, it the it seemed like he was trying to do it, but it felt it felt like he was trying and not quite succeeding. Well, I guess so. I may I may have been sort of grading on a curve given his age. He was clearly, I think, probably twelve or thirteen or something like that. And it's it's really really hard to find an actor that's good at that oh, age. Oh, absolutely, I so, totally agree. So I was I was surprised that they attempted it at all. You know, they could have just pitched it as, "Sorry, it's a kid. You know, we're not gonna." But he like even even some of the. Like the verbal ticks and stuff, they at least made an attempt to do that. I was pretty impressed by that, so I think I had the opposite reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah. Overall, I think it was good. I'd recommend it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's 
definitely some spoiler things I want to talk about. So. Yeah, it's yeah. Really Spoilers, the Allies win the war. <laughs> <laughs> In case you didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, Scott, I think you said that we had some viewer uh, feedback slash mailbag stuff that we wanted to talk about. Yep. Um, on our episode about Cabin Pressure, which is the BBC radio show, yep. also starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, John Light wrote in and says that he recommends another older Radio 4 sitcom called Old Harry's Game. And he says it's the only one that's on par with Cabin Pressure. So I don't know. I haven't listened to Old Harry's Game, but I'm always interested to hear more about it. I love the title. Yeah. Sounds great already. (laughs) Sold. Yeah. So thanks, John, for the recommendation. Thank you. Um, So we heard from Jeff Ruberg, who he was just asking. This is a very technical thing, I guess. But we used to use uh, Blue Yeti microphones. And he noticed, I guess, because he has a podcast as well for Digimon, is that we switched to the ATR 2100s, these guys, and we love them. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, highly recommended. Uh, I think they're like $60, and the quality you get out of them is like $200 worth of quality. So very impressed. They look great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to cycle back to some YouTube comments um, related to Interstellar, which we reviewed a couple of episodes ago. Um, reader Eric um, had a number of great points that he wrote uh, in about. Uh, he said he liked the movie overall, but there were a few head scratchers um, that that really bothered him. And I'll mention a couple that I wish I would have complained about. <laughs> <laughs> which, which brings me to comments from another YouTube commenter, which is a uh, friend of the show, Dave DeSandro, <laughs> who, you know... Yeah. By the, the way, spoilers for Interstellar <laughs> <laughs> for another movie. <laughs> uh but, you know, thanks, Eric and Dave, for writing yep. in with the feedback. That was great. And uh, those are really excellent points. Okay. So I think we have some spoiler things we want to talk about for the Imitation Game. So we're going to cut to our spoilers segment. But before we do, uh, for those of you who don't want to listen to spoilers, we'll give you all our contact info. So you can find us online at lowearthorbit.fm, where we have links to all of our previous episodes. And you can find all the show notes about all the stuff we talk about. We publish links to all those things. Um, you can also find our RSS feeds there. Where you can subscribe to the show. We have, so the RSS feed, we had some feedback too yeah. about like how to subscribe to the show. So if you go to iTunes, you can get the audio and the video episodes. But if you only want one or the other, we put all our videos on YouTube. You can find us at youtube.com slash low earth show. And we also have a video only RSS feed. And we also have a audio only RSS feed. So if you only want audio episodes, which some people do, you can find that on our website too. So just go to lowearthorbit.fm and everything's there. Um, we have a less popular feed where we only publish every other episode. <laughs> <laughs> only episodes that mention the Dark Tower. <laughs> so um, all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Scratch it off your bingo card now. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter at Lower Show. I think that's everything. I think that covers everything. Email, I guess Email us at feedback at lowerthorbit.fm. That's all. I think we've covered absolutely <laughs> everything. There's no other. That's all of it. Okay. So on to spoilers. Okay. Okay, so spoiler stuff for the imitation game. The one thing I was going to mention that maybe actually isn't even a spoiler, maybe we should mention before, is the movie had sort of the, I don't know, I don't know if you'd call it an unconventional structure, but it wasn't a completely linear structure. Yeah. So there were like kind of concurrent, like different, there were I think three different time periods, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I dug that. I thought that was cool. It added a level of sort of um, complexity that I enjoyed. And I... I enjoyed the contrast, or I guess not even contrast, like the, the the bookends of here's this experience he's going through now. Here's a little bit of backstory as to how that happened. I think, Steve, you kind of hinted that you felt it was too on the nose. Um, 
some of those things about like, well, why why does he understand why violence is sort of fun or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, many films do a much much worse job. It, yeah. it was it was all right. I feel like it was exposition of like explaining what computers were and you know the, the war and the importance of the enigma to the war was that was that that, that was felt more you know, I don't know, clunky mm-hmm. exposition than the, in terms of other than the backstory. Um, the other thing I, in terms of the ending, like if they had stopped pretty much at the end of the second act, I think I would have a much higher opinion of the movie. And it wasn't, I mean, part of it is kind of like it was a, the end of the second act is really uplifting. And, and that moment where he has that realization of like, this is how we can make it work. Like that was awesome. I love that moment that in, in the way they delivered it and everything that the filmmaking aspects of that, right. That were fantastic. And then it kind of fizzles out at the end a little bit. Like, I think they're just, they're trying to be, um, they're trying to finish the actual real world story and kind of explain how it happened. But it just, it, there just wasn't anything there. It, it was a little bit kind of on the depressing side and also didn't, I didn't really feel like I was getting new information. Mm. So I, that was kind of a downer. Um, but I mean, that that's, it's it didn't ruin the movie. It's still an excellent movie, but I just kind of wish they had something other, at the end other than just. And then he was sort of sad, and then he committed suicide. Yeah, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't great. Yeah, so. it's, it's hard because I mean, they could leave that out entirely, but then will they get flack for you right. know yeah, not really including it? Yeah. And they're like really playing down his homosexuality by not including his ending. Yeah, you know, his sort of tragic demise at the hands of the British government. Um, so I think it was kind of a hard place to be there. I think that I disliked more about the ending was the way they tried to like shoehorn the tu- shoehorn in the touring test yeah as the framing device for the entire film and, and props to try to do it i think most people don't even realize they're doing it and most people don't even care that the touring test is in there mm-hmm. but i mean that, that was what they were trying to do there and it just felt like uh, kind of forced and weird like would he really just give you know basically like divulge all of this super classified information to some random police dude yeah and, and as part of like a pseudo touring testy exercise i just seems unbelievable yeah by the way that that ent- i mean this is maybe me reading too much into it but that that interaction that he had with the police officer or the detective i guess and the nature of the conversation i get like a total blade runner vibe from that like oh yeah like at the, the opening scene of blade runner where they have that you know they have the test thing and mm-hmm. it's exactly that test right are you a machine or not yeah um i don't know maybe that was just me seeing something that wasn't there but that kind of struck me I don't know. I, didn't know anything <laughs> yeah, I was just curious yeah. if you guys had, had thought um, of that occurred. I guess to you. I didn't get that vibe. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. I can see what you mean, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a whole. There was sort of like this tangent with one of the characters is actually a Soviet spy. And I feel, like, I feel like that that's the one thing that I think deviated most from the actual historical record. Yeah, and I feel like I actually didn't add much. Like, I feel like. So I'm trying to think of like all the moments at that plot point even entered into the movie. So there's the one point where they're like, they think it might be Turing. So they like rummage through his desk and then the admiral or whoever it is like yells at him and is like, I don't like you. And then, okay, so now we've established how much he really doesn't like him. Okay, so there's that. And then um, what else happens? I guess like he he figures out who it is. And then they sort of like are both blackmailing each other essentially, right? And that's like the the only other time that it shows up. And then yeah, well, and then there's the, there's a, at the end with with uh, his fiance, right. like there it, it seemed like they were trying to use that as a, a sort of a reason for him to break off the engagement. 
like, oh, he's worried for her safety because maybe they'll, you know, they'll use her as part of this this Soviet spy. But but I don't think he believed that, right? Like he was using that as an excuse, I think, right? Well, he, he, he didn't give yeah. that as an excuse to her. Uh, didn't he? I think no. that. No? no. Okay. Well, he, he said he, something. He said were, that he didn't care about her and that he was using her to keep her on the project. But at yeah. the beginning of that, that scene, he said, you have to leave because I don't I don't trust them or something like that. That was that was how the, that's maybe maybe, it maybe was, the so, so I think they were trying to elude that he personally was scared because they they might try and pin the Soviet thing on her in case they had they had to pin it on somebody yeah and they didn't want to pin it on the actual mole yeah so but they, he didn't want to tell her that and so I think they were trying to give him an out so you would feel more sympathy to him I see in reality he did break off the engagement yeah and and, and probably nobody really knows why sure I mean well maybe just because he legitimately you know didn't did, love her yeah. or, or <laughs> felt like he would not satisfy her because yeah. you know, whatever you know like. But maybe they're trying to give him give him a sort of a, another reason to get out of it, and then you know he'd be a little more sympathetic maybe. as a character. I don't know. It, it felt like it felt very forced and, and artificial. I mean, it felt. I don't know. It seems like the most utility that character has is to underscore how scared he was of his homosexuality coming out. Right. Like that was like he knows he's a Russian spy, and the only reason he's he's agreed to not say anything is because he knows he's going to get arrested or whatever. And yeah. I thought, but that that seems kind of like a weird awkward way to go about that yeah i just i don't know i just felt like they could have struck the whole soviet thing from the plot and i don't think we would have missed out on it. i mean it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a twist because he was on his team i guess but I mean, but, I mean, but you, you you cared so little about him overall you know like i'm mean, yeah. sure he's like, like oh he's here like, oh he's a russian spy oh, fine take him away i don't care <laughs> yeah whatever yeah. take him out and shoot him we don't yeah. uh, who cares he's just some guy I, I really i just want to like repeat like i thought the cinematography was fantastic it was really it, it's the kind of movie where you don't necessarily even really need that, you know, because it's the focus is really on the history mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. But it was such a like understated approach to things. It wasn't like really heavily maybe maybe arguably like too subtle in some cases, but it was it was really interesting. I don't know how to articulate it well, but there was one cinematic moment which was really stunning, but which made me like you know, it, it, it felt like maybe I don't know, too unrealistic. And it was this one scene where, like, they're sh- they're they're showing like all these convoys, and then they and then the camera pans down, goes under the water, and there are just like ridiculous number of you. Oh yeah, and they're like all like <laughs> yeah. so close together. Yeah, it's like, yeah. did you really need like? 10 U-boats like 200 <laughs> meters apart from each other? Like, is that yeah. even safe for one thing? Yeah. Like, and like, why do you need that many? It just seemed it seemed bizarre. And, like, I mean, maybe maybe that was. Sh- that's how it happened, and I don't know. couldn't carry very many torpedoes. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not a World War II expert. I'm sure. sure. So if anyone in our, you know, any of our audience is, I'm sure feel free to write and correct me. But that felt like. I mean, it was a really like creepy, like an effective scene. Yeah. But it just seemed like, whoa, this seems this seems nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bonkers. Yeah. How many of them do we need? All of them <laughs> within one square mile. <laughs> Yeah, it was a little like the flat shades of a gravity there. Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a whole ocean, but we'll put everything like right here, you know, within <laughs> yeah, one square. Yeah. yeah. They can swim between the, you know, submarines <laughs> <laughs> when, one, when one is disabled. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Still burnt by that one. <laughs> See our gravity episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I thought it was interesting, like, right after they cracked the code and they were like, oh my gosh, we've done it. And then. They pretty quickly realized that, like, actually, we probably can't act on this. That was yeah. interesting. This yeah. is one of my yeah. favorite things about the whole you know, Project Ultra thing that, that I, I love, which yeah. is that they, you know, once they crank the code, yeah, they couldn't just use it all the time. They had to use. They had to be like extremely careful, and they had to always have a cover story. Right. And so it's like I read, I read, you know, I was reading a book about it, and like they went to like you know a lot of 
like you know really elaborate lengths to go and create like basically you know these you know these you know another reason to have had you know to basically make you know discover troop movements and stuff like they would basically like they would have some stray you know um, bomber just happen to go over the ship and just discover it and so then and then and then they would just just out of range so like the Germans could see that they saw were seen yeah but they couldn't like shoot it down and then they would you know go away again so they were like oh you know that was just a random chance that happened to be a flight within yeah. within visual distance you know yeah. or they would like. You know, would they, they were, actually go fly a plane? They like, would oh, oh, wow. frequently. That was one of the more common things they did. Yeah. You know, they, had, they would have, they would have, they would just like, you know, they would happen to change some flight path for some flight. So it just happened to go clear near enough that they could spot it. Wow. Um, so were would, the pilots in on it? Or oh yeah, they, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They would. So they'd say, yeah, okay, so it's not like they're like, oh, just turn to this heading, and the pilots like, oh my god, the storm is down there. We <laughs> radio this back in. But anyway, I, I thought that was great that they included that, and there's just like, there's like. We could talk about that for a long time. There's just tons of really cool stories about, you know, the various, you know, excuses they came up, you know, for how they, how they, you know, discovered various, um, you know, uh, Nazi troop movements and stuff. So was the whole crossword puzzle as a recruitment tactic actually a real part of it? I don't remember ever hearing okay. anything about that. Okay. Um, they, that may have been made up for them, or they could have been detail it. I, don't I mean, the, the whole Joan Clark thing, like she, he did get engaged to her, and she was, you know, part of that effort, but I don't ever remember her being as prominent in any other accounts I've read. But that could also just be historical bias as yeah. well you know so I don't I don't know I mean I, in one hand they could have just increased her role because they needed someone to play off of him in this film um or maybe she, you know I mean he did he did you know propose to her in real life too so maybe it's just you know you know um more of a you know history books often trying to pick like you know one one character to you know exemplify as well mm-hmm. and so maybe he you know maybe she kind of got lost you know in in you know, and sort of, you know, there's there a number of mathematicians all involved in this process. And Alan Turing was the, you know, was the lead and you know, he, he deserves all, you know, all the credit he gets. But there were a bunch and, you know, maybe she kind of got lost with the rest of the other the other mathematicians. Um, but, yeah, um, the other thing I like, too, is that just that, that the, the little footnote that they, you know, the Heil Hitler, because it was repeated strings what they use. <laughs> like that, that was true. And I love that, too. Yeah. It's, it's just it feels like such like poetic justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It totally does. <laughs> I love the MI6 agent. He was great. Yeah. I thought he's, he was a really good character. He's been a lot of stuff. He was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He, yeah. he was in um, Stardust, actually, strangely. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in. He, he's consistently really good. Yeah. Yeah, I really like seeing him. I love the line about how there are only like five divisions in military yeah, intelligence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, he, he had a couple of good lines. I, about, I like, was kind of expecting a double cross from that character, but I was, oh, really? I was kind of pleasantly surprised that they didn't go down that route i mean it, no. i guess in a way it kind of was because he knew about the spy but in, in yeah. a it was weird it was sort of like in a very playful way like the whole thing about oh no she's just in the market she's gonna be back in a minute <laughs> that was really good yeah military prison yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like the scene too where they're like explaining to him over breakfast like and not at all a private restaurant at all yeah. there's like the three of them are like having breakfast and, just, and they're trying to explain to him that they've cracked the enigma yeah it's like so a Government, a conspiracy about army intelligence at the highest levels of government. And he's going to, that's right up my own. <laughs> <laughs> that's my thing. That's what I do. Yeah, I guess that would be. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> cool. That's all I got. Yeah, I know. It was great. Yeah. It's the, only, the only other detail that jumped out at me was that I didn't realize that it was classified for 50 years. Oh, yeah. That jumped out at me, too. So that's what's amazing. I, because I feel like I'd always known about this. I yeah. mean, some degree, like some, vague, some vague knowledge of, of you, know, you know, Enigma and Project Culture and stuff like yeah. that. But like 50 years. So then like it wasn't until like the, the 1990s that this actually came out. Like, it must be. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's amazing about that kind of stuff. Like 50 years is a long time. Yeah. Like, and do you think, I mean, 
I mean, obviously people who worked on it knew, but like, did did anyone know? Like, did the Germans ever figure out that like, hey, it seems like people were cracking the Enigma. That was an interesting did question. they not know till the 90s either? Like, that's, I don't know, it's crazy. And like, how much stuff is classified now that like, is going to come out and you're just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> we did what? They did what? The who to the what? Like, yeah, who knows? Because yeah. that's like, I mean, so, they come out all the time. Like, uh, so, um, gosh, what was the, oh, this is terrible. Um, the Ben Affleck, Starred and directed film a couple of oh, years ago. Argo, Argo, yeah. another great example of like a recently declassified, like 1997. You know, like an amazing you know story um, from I mean, not as far back from the 70s, but sure. still. But Hollywood just sitting there waiting. Come on, <laughs> come on, declassify De- something. Something good. Come on, <laughs> we're done in here. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I think it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I think watch it's, it. Yeah. Also stars Keira Knightley, directed by Morton Tildum. Another unpronounceable name. It sounds like somebody else's reverse name. It's like an anagram of somebody right? else. Editing break. <laughs> Can bring it up. I, I wish we had like a little like stack of actual papers you could like pull off. Like, <laughs> like, That'd here. be awesome. We should have a mailbag. Like, <laughs> Santa's mailbag. I really want to. We shouldn't because it's pointless. But I really want to mention the person that was on the uh, Snowpiercer episode. It's like, they're allowed to have whatever opinion they want. That's really nice. <laughs> that is great. And I love how you're the yellow shirt guy. I know. It's like, I wouldn't pick him to be my movie buddy, but... <laughs> That's awesome. Did you see, read that? That was hilarious. That was, that was really is that good. the one you put in the email? Yeah, yeah. it was hilarious. That was We're inventing the computer. <laughs>